Hi, I'm Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is episode 228-228. If you want to read my show notes, I have, it's quite lengthy. There's at least 2,500 words with a lot of embedded links, and you're welcome to listen to it if you choose. Megan Schwartz, thank you so much for your kind comment about one of our graphics that has helped you and our other resources. The title of this podcast, episode 228, The Tragedy of Imitating Your Favorite Leader. I talk about modeling all the time. I talk about it a lot. I have several articles written on modeling. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As as Paul said in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God. So this idea of imitating is a big deal. But in this podcast, I want to flip that on his head, and I'm not contradicting myself, and you'll understand after I get into this. But it's the tragedy of imitating your favorite leader. Did you know that most Christian leaders have two personalities? And it's a good thing. I'm not talking about James 1, where a person is double-minded, not saying that at all, though some leaders are double-minded. I, I might fit in that category. But there is a public persona that you typically see, hear, and experience, and then there are their private lives. For the sake of this podcast, and in a vacuum, I'm going to call this split personalities among leaders it is not wrong, or it does not have to be wrong necessarily. But there is a catch, and this is what I want you to hear, and this is what I really want you to take your soul to task and just do some self-assessment, self-reflection. Here it is. If the undiscerning follower does not understand this concept of split personalities, they may adopt the leader's public persona, the leader's public style, thinking that is how they should be all the time. In some cases, imitating the public aspect of leaders could be a tragedy for a follower and all those who experience this individual. And that's why I titled episode 228, The Tragedy of Imitating Your Favorite leader. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, and I want to give you two. One, I'm going to call them regular preachers and a regular worship leader. Regular preachers, leaders of, of average, smaller churches, may carry themselves in the pulpit similar to how they live their regular private lives. What you see on Sunday morning is not dramatically different from who they are privately with their families and with their close friends. Praise God for these individuals. And then you have regular worship leaders. Some worship leaders are this way too. They don't attempt to do more than play an instrument and sing the songs in front of people. In many of these cases, these musicians they may not know leadership principles, or it could be that they don't have the necessary gifting to motivate folks biblically into a more fruitful worship experience. Some people call this gift of leadership that I'm speaking of is a gathering ability. The, the, it's a leadership level where people want to gather around you. 
perhaps a regular preacher in a regular church or a regular worship leader, they don't have this gathering ability. It's not a sin not to know or not to have the vital gifting that helps folks to be more than they are currently. I mean, honestly, many churches struggle with finding gifted leaders who have the character and the capacity to lead well. This is one of the most vital things in our Mastermind program. We don't want to promote someone to a a level of authority and leverage that they have over people's souls. Think about what they are doing if they don't have this leadership gifting. And so we try to vet that very carefully. Now, let me get, those are two regular examples, the regular preacher, as I'm saying, and the regular worship leader, but let me give you the best example. Jesus did have this leadership gift of gathering and motivating and inspiring. He was not just a regular guy talking to regular people. He was different. He was not a regular musician standing in front of people and just singing the songs, but yet he had this ability to motivate and inspire. Folks could not stay away from his public presentations of the gospel. But in private, you see a different Jesus Which makes sense because your deportment on a hillside sharing truths to thousands, Sermon on the Mount, will be different than reclining before a meal and instructing a few hand-picked men, Matthew 26. Sadly, too many folks chide the charismatic personality. Jesus had charisma. And sadly, they uncharitably judge them because they don't understand the vital need for split personalities among these gifted leaders. Now, typically, these critics are overreacting because of the abuse of the privilege of leadership. And so while I'm saying that we can't overreact, they are making a valid claim because we have seen it so often within our Christian culture. But just because you see the abuse of the privilege of leadership from these charismatic personalities, it doesn't mean it is wrong. I have had experience with pastors of churches who have been over the top with their preaching style, trying to stir up their constituency each week emotionally. Their followers tend to live in fear of them, which is one extreme, or they imitate their personalities in their regular lives. And that's what I'm getting at in this podcast. That is the point of this podcast. Be careful, or as I say, the tragedy of imitating your leader. And so if you're not afraid of them, as some people are, of these controlling exuberant people, preachers, they imitate them. These leaders have not thought through the lack of wisdom of communicating highly charged emotionalism to whip up the crowd. And then the worst case of these types are authoritarian leaders who crave to build a little kingdom for themselves, and they use manipulative appeals and stringent commands to create a distance between them and the people while perpetuating a culture of fear that is controlling. So I do understand that when people abuse the privilege of leadership, but we don't throw all charismatic personalities out. And here's one more. You've seen the wild TV preacher who appears to have no conscience as they sell their prayer cloths 
or make outlandish promises of, of what the Lord will do if you will send him money. Selfish ambition, a hardened conscience, and excessive cravings for riches is a blight on Christianity and not what a Christian leader should be. And so I want to divide leaders. I've talked about these extremes, but I want to divide leaders into the regular leader, which most of us are, and then you do have more prominent leaders who have a different level of gifting, like the gathering ability that I was speaking of, but there's more gifting than that in their gift mix. But the regular leader, the normal preacher in the average town, preaching to normal people with a shepherd's heart, is not trying to do anything more than to care for his flock. He desires nothing more than to thank God for those who come each week to hear the word clearly spoken. He is grateful when the Lord adds another to that number, Acts 2.47. This guy is a good shepherd. It's not about the size of the crowd, but, but the calling the good Lord has put on his life. The, the Lord called Jesus to preach to thousands. That's not a regular leader. Paul was similar, though his call was different in scope. He was a traveling evangelist, and so he had more of a global outreach as far as what he did as an individual. But there's no doubt that the Lord did not mean for Jesus and Paul to labor locally to a handful of folks, just two regular guys. And so there's the two good examples The key for you to know is how God made you, what your capacities are, what you sense a call. That's your internal call, your burden to do whatever it is that you believe, you feel God is calling you to do. And then there is the external call where others affirm that. Those who try too hard will make mistakes nearly every time, try too hard to be Famous, try too hard to be bigger than they should be, even to the detriment of others. But those who let the game come to them, that is a sports term, where you're not trying to push yourself onto the game and force things to happen, but you just flow with the game and you let it come to you. You make your plans, but God orders your steps. These individuals are not passively sitting as as though God does not believe in human responsibility, but they find their sweet spot, whether it's in front of 10 people or 10,000. Neither outcome has to be wrong. And then there are those leaders who have higher ambitions. They hope to do more than be a local preacher. There does not have to be anything wrong with their dreams. May the Lord raise up many men and many women who are always praying, always thinking, always planning and implementing for the sake of the gospel. And so in this episode, I want you to totally dismiss I'm not addressing the charlatan, the wolf, the misguided, or the person eaten up with a selfish ambition. Not going there at all. These folks may have had good hearts at some point, but along the way, selfish ambition began to control them, and they began to strive for fame. In this podcast, episode 228, I'm addressing good leaders whom the Lord has placed his hand on because he has big plans for them. 
These leaders have the character, the competency, and the capacity to fulfill a large plate that the Lord desires to give them. And so I want to give you a non-exhaustive list to prove my point. I'm going to give you several leader types, and I want you to understand this idea how, how they have a certain kind of public personality with a gathering ability. But here's what I want you to understand. It's not vital, and it's sometimes it would be detrimental for their public persona to be identical to their private lives. In fact, in some cases, it would be horrific for some of these leader types that I'm going to share with you to associate with these people. You would not want to be with them all the time based on who you see and how you hear them and experience them in public. I'm, I'm going to start with me. I have several categories here of leaders, and, and the first type of leader is the reluctant leader. I'm an introverted person, and I've shared that before, and I've had a couple of people come up to me and say, seriously? Now, I'm using the word introverted because I'm not shy, as in timid to speak up. And I don't struggle with fear of man, as in people's opinions ma uh, manage me. What I'm saying is that being a talker is not native to me. That's not, that's not how God made me. I have never been a talker in my life. My preference, I had rather be quiet. It has taken decades of work, repentance, and practice to communicate the way that I do. And when I say repentance, I, perhaps I should do an entire podcast on what repentance looked like for me just on this idea of going from quiet to talking. And though I love public speaking more than anything else about my job, it continues to be work. When I finish speaking, my strongest urge is to take a nap. Talking wears me out because it's not who I am natively without the redemptive force of the gospel activating me. Lucia, my wife, on the other hand, can talk like a fish drinking water. It's so natural. People who know her will affirm and amen everything that I've said. It's so natural for her. Comfortable. It's marvelous. People love talking to Lucia. I am biblically jealous of many of her traits. As I told one of our supervisors in our mastermind program, Brandy, that this morning I have given up on this idea of being like, of being like Lucia because there's so many marvelous things about her, and one of them is her social skill. There's so many traits, and it is her social skill that is near the top of my long jealousy list. Sometimes when she's talking, I sit back and watch her lips move with amazement, and I often wonder, how in the world does she come up with so many words that just flow off her lips? Now, Lucia is a Yankee, meaning that she lived in the northern part of the United States, and when she came down south, I've been acclimating her and teaching her the right way to live. And one of the things we do down here is that we drink sweet tea. Well, Yankees don't drink sweet tea. They, they have, like, unsweet tea, which is just odd. And so Lucia, not being acclimated to the Southern culture, when she gets jacked up on sweet tea, her lips actually move about five miles more an hour. Now, to me, it's kind of sexy and 
and all of that. And I won't go into that, but it, it is a, amazing at how easy it is for her to do that. I know several min- ministry leaders who are like me, and you know some of them too, and I won't name them. It may surprise you to know they are quiet people. Like me, they have to work up to their gifting each time they open their mouths. It's a testimony to God's grace in their lives. Many Christians can learn from these leaders by choosing not to disqualify themselves from what could be a higher capacity for God's glory and the benefit of others. Shame on you who sit back and disqualify yourself, not even putting your toe in the water to see what God may do. And so one type of leader with dual personalities is me, and it's the reluctant leader. And here's another one, the sports coach. Imagine a football coach walking, waking you up each morning with a well-cadenced, get down on the floor and give me 20. In football parlance, he's, he's yelling at his wife to do 20 push-ups before breakfast. Now, sadly, I had one coach's wife tell me that her coach husband does not have two personalities. What you see on the sidelines is what she has experienced all their marriage. And that's why I say sometimes it would be tragic for, for leaders who have a public persona for the right reasons, because this is how God has made them and shaped them and has called them and given them this gift, but they don't have enough wisdom or whatever it is, and and they don't change gears. When it comes to a sports coach, you want a person who has the gifting to rally the team with enthusiasm and directed passions, plus a nourishing and cherishing husband who restores his children gently. And so you had a reluctant leader, you have the sports coach, you have funny people. Let's play Groundhog Day, but this time it's your favorite comedian instead of a sports coach who wakes you in the morning. I've been around that person who never stops telling jokes. It is grinding to the soul while ditching any hope of going deep with him or anyone else in the room. You bide your time until he leaves so you can carry on in more meaningful ways. I love humor, and I had my moments as the class clown in school, but I don't want that characterization. These types only have one bullet in their chamber, so what you get in public is what his friends get all the time. Many of these funny people are masking personality quirks and fears. They're afraid to have deep conversations, for example, and so you pray for their repentance along with a more mature person helping them overcome their fears or, or social ineptness. Reluctant people, dual personality. Sports coach, you pray they have a dual personality. Funny people, they need one, not just one bullet in the chamber. Then cheerleaders. These gifted folks remind me of the inverse of the bland worship leader that I was talking about earlier. Imagine them standing and waving a pom-pom while monotoning a chat, you would lose interest. They have no gathering ability. They don't have the gift to step up to what a cheerleader requires. You would ignore them and and maybe pull for the other team, your mortal enemy, because they are more into it. Alternatively, imagine waking up to that cheerleader with more smiles than a used car salesman and more energy than the energized bunny. I would give this couple less than six weeks before they hit counseling or a divorce court. Cheerleaders. And then a military general. You want that person who can take the hill, 
while everyone else is following him. But if he doesn't have the gifting to rally the troops, a gathering ability, he tops the hill alone and his career will end tragically. He is similar to the football coach. Leaders, most leaders, have a dual personality. And as I said, it's not necessarily, and it doesn't have to be, a bad thing. Radio personality. Millions of people love Rush Limbaugh because of his conservative values and gathering ability. But I've heard from multiple sources that he's a humble man who does not like to take credit and will shy away from unnecessary fanfare. They say Bo Snurdly, his three-decade-plus companion on his radio show, says only when he talks, he talks in satire and, and humor, but he never talks truthfully as far as, as far as bragging on himself. Rush is an excellent example of the problem of imitating the leader you see in the pulpit without discernment without discretion, without self-control. Because I have heard many of his followers who speak rudely about those on the other side of the aisle, about the politicians that they don't agree with. They speak rudely because they don't have the discernment to know what Rush is doing and why he's doing what he's doing. I don't fault Rush for their harsh choices. We can choose to imitate anybody we want, It's intellectually dishonest to say, Rush made me do it, when a yearning Savior is saying, be like me. And then the popular Christian leader. These few illustrations that I have given you, a a radio personality, a military general, cheerleaders, funny people, a sports coach, and reluctant leaders. These illustrations bring me to the point of this episode. I have tried to make a valid case for the dual personality types among leaders. Now I want to address two concerns I have within our evangelical culture. What I don't want you to hear is any criticism toward these two men that I'm going to mention to you because it would be untrue, one. Number two, you would show your lack of discernment. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Number three, worse. It could be a sinful motivation. Similar to every dual type that I've already mentioned, there does not have to be anything wrong with leaders stepping up to God's gifting in and grace on their lives. Some leaders are not working that hard to maximize their capacities. It is who they are. For others like me, it takes a lot of effort to do what I do publicly. Either way, The Lord has chosen to provide these leaders with a larger-than-average following. Here's the first man I want to mention, John MacArthur. Nobody can entirely articulate how much treasure John MacArthur has in heaven and why. It's fair to say there is a consensus that God has elevated this man for a specific purpose, which we see more clearly now than ever With the fracturing of Christianity, the rise of the social justice movement, and the never-ending manifestations of hedonism, John has been a faithful, steadfast, and courageous leader for decades. Then there are the MacArthurites. 
Perhaps you have not heard that term. It's not a slight on John. It'd be, it'd be like saying Limbaughites. People who have taken this caricature of Rush, who really comes across as a character sometimes, I'm not saying that about John, and they imitate that public personality. But these people, it's not a slight on John, but a descriptor of some of his followers who imitate his strong per- pulpit personality as he combats the evil in our culture. There is objective harshness that pours out of their mouths, the MacArthur writes. It's real, it's unkind, it's distinguishable, and it hurts the body of Christ. My opinion is not something that I'm making up, but a commentary I have heard many times over from folks who have been affected by the harshness of some, not all, please hear that, not all of his followers. Many of these hurt folks are my friends. I've had time to talk to them extensively about what they have heard, seen, and experienced from the following, the followers. You either see it or you don't. If you are one of his followers, you either respond with humble self-reflection and assessment or you don't. If you do respond with humility and wisdom and you see this problem, praise God for you. Keep on following John while always imitating Jesus. And then the second person I want to introduce is Jay Adams. There is no question that Jay Adams was the instrument in God's hands that brought psychology from the culture, ran it through the hermeneutical spiral, and gave us the foundation to the biblical counseling movement. I liken Jay to Martin Luther in that he took something the church needed and made a path that did not exist. Then John Calvin came along and brought more refinement to Luther's work. And then the Puritans came along and brought more refinement to that, like Jonathan Edwards, for example. In the counseling world, David Pallison is our John Calvin. He took Jay's enormous and masterful masterful work and ran it back through the spiral, the hermeneutical spiral. I'd like to think that I'm part of that large group of Puritans who are standing on their shoulders, bringing more refinement, though I'm doing it on on a minuscule level compared to these giants. But here is the problem. Most people only know Jay from the pulpit, where, like MacArthur, he's pounding out truths in a hostile culture about a hostile culture that would find no greater joy than to see him defeated. MacArthur and Adams are unique historical heroes of the faith, but what we experience from them in the public space is not to be exported to more private confines like our homes or counseling venues. Undiscerning biblical counselors have made the detrimental error of imitating Jay's public personality and arguments in the counseling office. And thousands of folks have experienced the worst aspects of biblical counseling. You can put it in a word, harshness. And I have an article here that will explain that. Ironically, I've had a private lunch with Jay, and I testify that he's a gentle, understated Weird, right? Unassuming, kind, and gracious man. Now, I've never met John MacArthur privately, and I have no comment about his private demeanor since I don't know him, and I don't listen to folks who want to tell me about him. But John and Jay, like 
All these other leaders that I've mentioned in this podcast had to step up to the responsibility of the great call of leadership. Praise God for all of them who are fulfilling their gifting well. The question for you is, are you more like Christ in your life? Or are you imitating a public personality of that person who inspires you and you're imitating it in private spaces? Maybe a more practical question that you could answer for this podcast is, how do others experience you? The title of this podcast is episode 228, The Tragedy of Imitating Your Favorite Leader. Here's a very brief call to action. Would you share this episode and these show notes here with someone who is not afraid of you? If you're humble and teachable, you have nothing to fear, nothing to hide. And if you share this with someone who is afraid to tell you the truth, well, you probably have your answer. If you're unwilling to share this with someone, you probably have your answer. Will you ask them their opinion of it when they think about your public leadership skill set and your private deportment? How do they experience you? If our team can serve you with any of these matters that I'm raising in this podcast, please let us know. There's a link here at the very bottom, and you can go right to our public forum. If you are a supporting member, jump on our private forum, and we would find no greater joy than to serve you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please share it with a friend. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.